Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. I missed you guys last week, but I heard Drew did a wonderful job ministering the Word of God in this house. Was that true? I had the privilege of being at Grace Point Church in Gray, Georgia, with uh, a pastor friend of mine, Chris Doherty, and was able to minister to our brothers and sisters there. I enjoyed being with them, but I always miss my church family, and so I'm glad to be back here with you guys this Sunday. Quick update. So many people are asking us about our little girls. They turned five months, December 31st, and yeah, they're doing good. Their lungs are fully developed. So don't worry about them being primmies. They can exhale displeasure at a moment's notice. My wife, Kelly, does the lion's share of almost everything with them. I don't know how she does it. Uh, I go on little sleep. She goes on no sleep, and she is just the most amazing mom. And I want to give you just one highlight from Christmas. Of course, we had a lot of family time and Christmas Eve with my daughters and my son Jimmy was there. But on Christmas morning, uh, we had the girls on the bed, and we just began to pray over them. And the thought came to me that this time last year, we were praying for children. And then this Christmas, we're praying over children. And I just want to encourage some of you, and I don't mean this cliche, you'll be holding some of the things in 2013 that you were asking for in 2012. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. And I want to just say this. I got a lot of preaching in me this morning. I hope I get it all done. Uh, a later sermon, a later sermon, it's brewing. And you guys that are ministers know what I mean. It's percolating. Is with every great blessing, there's great cost. I'm blessed with twins. And it takes a lot <laughs> to raise twins. And people ask me, they say, how are you? I said, I'm wonderfully exhausted. So make sure that when you get ready to build your tower, count the cost to see if you're able to finish it. And with your prayer and a lot of rest, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to do good. So anyway, that's just a precursor to a sermon coming down the line. Great blessing. There's always an exchange. With every blessing comes great cost. But it's worth it, man. It's worth it. Matthew 7, verse 24. If you're there, say amen. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me just pause right there. Our unbelieving friends do not call upon the name of the Lord. He's speaking to those that call themselves Christians. But this is how you'll know. Those that do the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, the doing of the will of God does not procure salvation. The doing of the will of God is proof that salvation already exists within the heart of the believer. So works does not save a man. But if a man is saved, he will be a servant, a disciple, a student of the Lord Jesus. Many, say this with me, many. Many will come to me in that day, the day of judgment, using my name, Lord Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name done many mighty wonderful works and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. 
And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. So mark that in your Bible. One of them, it fell not. And this one fell. And great was the fall of it. I believe because I'm an optimist. You can't be a Christ follower and not be an optimist. Well, that, that wasn't even in my notes. That's good. You, you can't be a Christ follower and not believe that the plans he has for us are good and that goodness, surely goodness and mercy follows me. I can't outrun it. All the days of my life, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we talk about the blessings that are ahead of us in 2013, and I just spoke that over you. Those things are there. But I believe in my spirit, no, I know in my spirit that for many of us, 2013 will also be a year of great testing, great difficulty. And don't let it discourage you because the Bible says that through much tribulation you enter the kingdom of God. And the evidence of walking with Christ is not that you have a carefree life. It's that you remain. It's that you have fruit that's born on your tree regardless of the circumstances outside of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, goodness, and self-control. And we try to sculpt our life, and we've been taught in error that if our ways please the Lord, he keeps, a, he keeps the thermostat set at 72. Your, your water's always cold out of the faucet. Your hot water's always hot coming through the shower. The cupboards are always filled with what you want. And if your ways please the Lord, life is easy. And it's not true. Great tribulation, persecution, trouble, frustration. It's not a pessimistic gospel to say that life is going to find its way to me. Some testing comes from the hand of God and other comes from the hand of the enemy. When God tests us, it's to prove what's inside of us. When the devil tests us or asks permission to test us, it is to prove that our profession is merely profession and not possession. And I just feel like going into this year, and I'm not a judge to any other pastor. Listen, they're going to stand before the Lord just like me. I just... I, I don't want to be the guy that says just dream big and hit the ball out of the park and swing for the fence and all those things are good and well, but 2013 is going to have some hard for you. And you're going to need some essentials going into 2013. When you go on vacation, and by the way, just one quick plug for the fellas, if you're going for a week, ladies, you ain't got to pack everything you've owned since high school. You, it, you don't. Going for three days and got that suitcase you could fit children in. <laughs> and they say something that's true, and we're not letting you off the hook because some of that's just compulsive. But I just want to make sure what? I got everything. And you did. You brought Kroger with you. It's here. We, we, we got it. Well, I want to make sure that going into 2013... As far as my part is concerned, you have what you need. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I've got eight things that I want to share with you, and then I'll let you go home. How many of you hungry for the word this morning? Amen.
Number one, going into 2013, you're going to need a secure foundation. A secure foundation. 1 Corinthians 3 says, For no other foundation can any man lay except that which is laid, and that is Jesus Christ. You do not build your life on an idea. You build it on the person, on the person of Jesus Christ. We don't build it on the stories that we've learned when we were in Sunday school. We don't build it upon the inspirational stories we hear now in church or on the internet or through teaching series. It's the person of God revealed to us through his son, Jesus Christ. The re- John, this thing is spinning around crazy up here. Can we shoot it or unplug it or something? Uh, you, you, you build on the person and there's no other foundation that can be laid. And the Bible says, if any man build on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, or wood or hay or stubble, his work will be manifested for the day, the day of testing will declare it, and it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will try every man's work of what sort it is. If your work abide, you receive a reward. If a man's work shall be burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved so as by fire. There are many foundations for you to choose from, but only one that's from God. Your foundation is not Christ's chapel. It's not the assemblies of God. It's not Pastor John. It's not your ministry. It's not your works. And it's not what burdens you in the work of the Lord. It is the person of Jesus Christ. Him only. Him only. And a a devotion, a secure, single devotion to him because Jesus is as close as we can get to the Father. His Holy Spirit speaking to our heart that we are sons of God. Many people build on faulty foundations and some without a foundation at all. You can't build on someone else's foundation or even connect to it. You cannot build on my foundation. And I say that not because I'm any better than anyone in this church. Matter of fact, most of you are better than me. But because you see me on Sundays, you'll take my stories and apply them to your life or what I said and go, yeah, me too, God, me too. No, me too, gods. You must know him for yourself. Love him for yourself. Worship him for yourself. Study to show yourself approved yourself. Give to him yourself. Serve him yourself. Deny yourself for yourself. There is no carryover. Can you imagine some man building over here his house and someone else taking some wood and nailing it to his wood and nailing another piece of wood all the way over to his lot? Now, I've seen them run extension cords when they didn't pay their bill, but that ain't what we're talking about. (laughs) I'm building over here, and you go, what's this up against my house? I'm just barring your foundation. Now, that's ridiculous in the natural, but oh, it's practice in the spiritual. We follow preachers. I like this one. I like this one. Well, you can like one, but how many of you have matured enough to understand you can can hear a minister like me that you have nothing in common with and truth just resonate in your soul? You go, that feels like Jesus. That looks like Jesus. No other foundation. And some of you have borrowed your grandmothers and your fathers and your mothers and your wives. And there are people in this house today, the word's going forth. You need to secure your own foundation so you can say, I know whom I've believed in. And I'm persuaded. 
that he's going to keep what I've committed to him against that day. You're responsible for your own building. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're responsible for the building of your life. All of us have had difficulty. Many of us have experienced neglect, abandonment, rejection, hatred, malignment, abuse, misuse, all of those things. But as an adult, as you mature, and of course, children are a different story, and God gives great grace there. But we have to come to a place where we don't blame our life on anybody. Yeah, you did what you did, and I got some scars, but I'm bigger than what you did. And God put something inside of me that's stronger. What he did for me is stronger than what you did against me, and I will not be defined by that. I'm going to build me a house anyway. Some of you had people tear yours down, but you rebuilt. Rebuilt again. Started over. You're responsible. Let us lay aside the weights and the sin that so easily beset us. Let us run our race with patience. Let us. You have the relationship with Jesus Christ today that you want. You may not have the gifts and abilities that you want, but you have the relationship with God that you want, and your house is on you. Any of you ever went house shopping? Any of you ever seen, went by and for sale by owner or the realtor, and you open the door and you go, oh, whoa. And it's their taste. They got three-foot borders hanging from the ceiling, green shag carpet. They got a lamp from, I don't know how high they were when they designed it, but it's got all kind of, kind of like that one Dan Waits gave Leanne at our Christmas party about eight years ago. Y'all remember? And you just go, whoa. And you, if you're tactful like my wife, you don't say anything till you get to the car. If you're like me, you walk in and go, great day, people. <laughs> but in their eyes, it's a palace, right? What did they do? We've been here for 30 years, and this was our creation. You want to say it looked like you was vandalized by Elvis. I don't know what happened in here. <laughs> but they built it. You can't put it on anybody else. If you've lived there 20 years, you've that's yours. And some of you need to go in this year and take a look inside your life and realize that what you have is what you built. What you built. Let me tell you the beauty of that statement. Can't nobody hinder you from remodeling. I don't like this room. Well, you used to like it. You change it. You change it ever since you went to that church. You've changed. Thank you. That was ugly. I didn't know it was ugly. Grandma had it in her house. Mama had it in her house. That's ugly. I'm changing. I want to build in my life beautiful things. Gold, precious stones, silver. No more wood, hay, and stubble. I'm responsible for my own life. Secure foundation. Building it according to your desires. And each house will be tested. Oh, your house is going to be tested. The rains descended and the winds blew 
And the scripture said it beat upon that house. Winds and rain that beat upon your spiritual house. Are you ready for what may fall out of nowhere on your life this year? Are you ready for strong, relentless winter winds to blow against your life? Now, let me just say this. If you're sitting there going, oh, do it, do it. Just, you need a therapist. It's not that, I'm not saying we long for these things. But if you're not prepared for these things, these things will catch you unawares. Strong, relentless winter winds and gale force rain will come to your life. Are you ready for them? What are you going to do when your spiritual life is beat upon with such force that it has the capacity to make your house fall? Here's how you know you're ready. Christ is the chief and only cornerstone of your life. He is the central focus and the primary goal. And as a disciple, you are governed by his word. You know you're ready for the coming storms when you live without fear. I'm not longing for these tests, but I'm not worried about them because he that keepeth Israel keeps me, does not slumber nor sleep. The Lord's my keeper and the shade upon my right hand. Sun's not going to smite me by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will preserve me from all evil and preserve my soul. He preserves my going out and my coming in from this day forward and forevermore. No fear. Well, John, does that mean you're not ever troubled? Oh, no, we have tr not fearful. No one likes calamity, but our trouble drives us to the Lord, not to panic. You know you're ready when you're not anxious about today or tomorrow. You know you're ready when reading these verses, you think about the good that can be revealed in your life after the storm instead of the loss that could come from the storm. It says that if you're tested and eternal things remain, you receive a great reward. You know you're ready when storms cause you to think about ways of honoring God as well as what can be lost. Oh, I hit something in, didn't I? I'll go to number two so you don't lose your joy. You got that. You'll need a secure foundation. Number two, you're going to need deep roots. You will need to have deep roots. Mark 4, 6 said the sun came up and scorched them. And because they had no root, they withered away. Withered away. Deep roots in the right soil. It's good to have roots in a local church. It's good to have roots in the, the people of God and the things of God. But your roots need to go down deep. So when great heat is applied to your life, you have access to hidden water, hidden nutrients. Deep roots require adequate nutrients. They're a product of sunshine and rain, dormancy and growth. Calm and storms. And the greatest of storms causes trees' roots to go down further and further. See, you didn't realize that many of you that are like me, 50 and above, you realize now, looking back, that all of those things that happened to you made you go deeper in God than you'd have ever went in calmness and in security. Deep roots take time. You don't get saved Tuesday and have deep roots Friday. And new Christians, man, I love me. I love new Christians. Zeal and passion and excited. And they got kangaroo spirit and they're young and they can hop around and nothing don't hurt the next day. See, when I hop, I pay. 
I can hop, but I pay. They're just young and full of zeal, but they don't have roots yet. And you have to have experiences to have roots. You have to be knocked down to get up. You have to be sick to experience the healing touch of the balm of Gilead. You have to be ostracized to understand how precious it is to be accepted in the beloved. Deep roots take time, and you don't get roots by education, reading a book. You don't get roots by just living. You get roots when the outside pressure of your life makes you go deeper into God to grab hold. Because if you didn't, you'd be blown away. And these difficult times we blame on the devil, many of them are orchestrated by God so that your roots will go down into him. And roots, like foundations, cannot be transplanted or shared. You can't just dig up. I mean, you can't a small flower. You can dig it up and transplant it somewhere else and it may work. But you dig up a 100-year-old oak tree, it ain't going to make it. And God has designed you to where you can't leave him and make it somewhere else. This is it for us. I told him this year, towards the end, I said, you're it for me. All my eggs are in your basket. If you don't exist, then I've preached a lie all my life. But I, I'm grateful that you've designed me in such a way that I can't just go try something else and try something else. We are trees of righteousness. And we won't work or fit nowhere else. Can somebody say amen? amen. Number three, you will need to be prepared. By the end of this message, you're going to say, that just confirms that my pastor is the most simple. I had, I had one lady tell me one time, she goes, oh, I love how you just break down these deep truths into just simple things. I said, lady, I didn't break it down. That's all I understood. That's just how I got it. Just right there. There was no breaking down from intelligentsia. It was just, that's how it came. So I hope to confirm your suspicions that I am what I am. Number three, you will need to be prepared, not just willing, but prepared. Pre, the, suff the prefix pre, before something happens. Precaution. That means before this thing happens, you take caution. Preschool. Before you go to school, you go to school so you can get ready for the school that's coming. It's preemptive. Oh, I didn't even plan that. Preemptive. To prevent something means you get ready before to keep something from happening. And in football, there's a thing called a prevent defense that doesn't work, but the theory is good, which means <laughs> we're going to back up and prevent you from scoring, but we'll let you move up the field with such ease that you score anyway. But prevent means to before you're keeping something from happening. So are you prepared? Are you before shaped, a paring knife, cut? Are you prepared, ready for the things God has for you? It's not just a willing heart that he looks for. It's a prepared heart. God's calls on my life. Then get prepared. No, man, I'm ready. Mm, his, I, do you see that? Do you see them goosebumps? I'm anointed. Are you ready? Are you studied? Have you studied to show yourself approved, a workman worthy that needeth not to be ashamed? God showed me I'm going to medical school. Have you prepared to pay for medical school? 
I'm going to teach them. First words that come out of my kid's mouth, I want them to say daddy. Second, well, Jesus first. I'm sorry. Jesus first. And then daddy. And the third word is scholarship. That's what I want you to say. Scholarship. (laughs) Ready. Or See, it's one thing to, to have a Pentecostal service and talk about how great 2013 is. I didn't say, do you desire to be blessed? Do you have faith to be blessed? Are you prepared to be blessed? He will not pour in something in your life that your life will not hold. Are you ready for the things you say you want from God? I'm not giving you cute little stories. We had a nursery painted with pictures hung over a year before we had children. We bought an SUV before we had children. We gave up the fuel economy of a Honda Accord, which you can go to this little, this little Lincoln Aviator that just sucks gas. You Driving and you watch the gas gauge. You're like this right here. And for us, it was just a, a signal sent towards heaven. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you dreaming about something you're not prepared for? Because in the economy of God, it will not happen. Because it will destroy you or be aborted in your lack of preparation. That's why God lets a baby get prepared for nine months in the womb of its mother before it comes out. Are you prepared to move geographically, relationally, your work? Are you prepared to move forward? Are you prepared to move immediately? Is anything in the way for you being able to say yes to God? Are you free, prepared to go? Prepared for greater things. Greater service. Greater giving. Greater support. Greater teaching. Making disciples at a deeper level. I love talking to businessmen that talk to me about their, their, their wanting to be great in their philanthropy and their giving to God, sacrificial giving. But they don't talk about that. They talk about the business idea that God's given them that's going to fund that. They'll say, I've got this thing, it's separate from my family, and I've asked God to open up my mind so I can be prepared to do this. Wishing cost us nothing. And nothing comes from wishing. But preparation is the proof of faith. It's the evidence of the, that you believe that thing is coming because you're ready for it. When you're getting ready for company, you prepare your house and you just didn't realize it was that bad till you got ready to prepare for company. And then when the people come in, the wife goes, oh, just come on in, pardon the mess. You want to go, excuse me, that's the best this house has looked in 18 years. Don't let her tell you that. We've worked all day. <laughs> tell the truth, people. Tell the truth. This is the best this house has looked since the Korean War. This right here, what you see today. Those of you that work in the secular world, You get more work done the week before your vacation than you got done in the 11 months preceding it because you're preparing to go on vacation. I got to make sure that I'm covered and my backup is there and that one's crazy. So I got to make sure that one covers that one and got everybody and everything and I'm cutting my cell phones off and bye. So you're, what are you doing? I'm ready to be off. When is the last time you got ready for God's best? I'm ready. I see young people and I watch it and I try not to steer because it's the work of the Lord. And I see them 
stop dating so they can get married. You go, what do you mean? Some people know what I'm talking about. They go, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready for a woman of God. I'm getting ready. I'm not dating just somebody. I want to be a man. I want to be a gainfully employed man. I want to be a mature man. I want to be a respectable man. I want to be a man that's not driven by lust or carnality or, or, or these carnal things. I'm ready for God to give me a beautiful, godly woman that understands the values that I have and that God wants us to have. And when she comes, I don't want to start getting ready then. I want to be ready when I meet her. You don't get ready for something unless you're serious about it. And my word to you is you will need to be prepared for greater things to experience greater things. You will have to be prepared for greater things to experience greater things. You'll need to be prepared to suffer. 1 Peter 1.21 says, Hereunto were you called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. You should follow in his steps. If, if life happens, many of us are going to suffer this year. Oh, Brother Wood, you need to be more positive. I'm positive some of us are going to suffer this year. We will. The issue is not are you going to. The issue is are you going to be ready to do it? Will your roots be deep enough? Will your foundation be secure enough that you can suffer with dignity and glory. You're going to suffer lack. Some of you will suffer lack. And will y'all be honest? Will y'all just be honest about this? You know what makes provision so beautiful when you've done without? See, some of y'all, y'all have had so much for so long that it's just old hat to you. And when we got our kids... Y'all don't, it's like, y'all don't understand. They smiled today. They cooed today. And when you get something for the first time, you appreciate it. You enter into it. You, you enjoy it. And if you've suffered lack and then you're blessed or you, you're done without and then you have, there's great glory that comes from this. And see, we want God to paint the beautiful picture without having tasted the negative picture. And what makes health so glorious is when you've been sick. It does. Anybody back me up here? What makes companionship so beautiful is when you've been alone. You look over and go, this one's mine. They may want to kill me, but they're mine. And I love them. And don't, for our young married couples, it's normal to look across the breakfast table and think about hitting them with the cereal box. That's normal. But our Christian character won't let us do it. <laughs> Be prepared to suffer loss, setbacks, perplexities, misunderstanding, opposition, spiritual attack. Just so you're not surprised. It's not, oh, I wonder what evil's out there today. I don't mean that. I just mean that life's going to find its way to me and God and I are ready. And I'm more than able to, to go through this. Prepared to endure chastening. And chastisement by God. The Bible tells us that those he loves, he disciplines. And some of you are discouraged today but because God has set his face against you. He is making your life difficult. He is messing up everything you're setting your hands to. You're in timeout. You just don't know it. And others, you didn't respond to timeout, so he's took you to the woodshed. Oh, we don't believe in that. God does. Can I have an, did anybody know? God does. 
God will whip you to where you, time out, time out. He said, no, ain't no time out. Whip you, punish you. And he says, I do this because I love you. And if you endure chastisement of the Lord, there's a great profit to that because you realize that I won't let that trait stay in you. And you know what I've learned about God? He'll outlive you. He patient. You'll be praying like, how long are you going to keep doing this? Forever. Forever. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, I was in the oven of God so long, I'd forgot what green grass looked like. And I heard the oven door creak open. Oh, glory to God, my trial is over. Only to have God pull me out, flip me over to roast me on the other side. Mm-hmm. Are you prepared to be healed? Are you prepared to be whole? And having seen this man who'd been this way for 38 years, a paralytic, he said, would you like to be made whole? Well, that's a stupid question. No, it's not. Because if this man's whole, he can't lay on this bed all day, every day. If this man's whole, he's going to have to go get a job. If this man's whole, he's going to have to be a father and a husband. If this man's whole, he's going to have to be responsible in synagogue. And he's going to have to be an upright Jew. And where he is right now, he's just other people are doing everything for him. I'm asking you a question today. Do you want to be whole? And if you are, you got to get ready to be whole. And here's what he told him. Pick up your bed. Get up. Pick up your bed and walk. See, when Jesus met him, his back was on the bed. And after Jesus dialogued with him, his bed was on his back. And there was great change. Are you prepared this year to be well in that area of insufficiency that has dominated your Christian life? Are you ready to be well? You got to be prepared to be well. You have to be able to stand in front of him and when him say, what would you like for me to do for you? You say, that my eyes could see. I'm ready to do this. Prepared to be more blessed than you've ever been, to have more joy than you've ever had, and to see more glory than you've ever seen. You gotta be prepared. Number four, you'll need to be sanctified in heart and body. For 2013, you need to stop playing games. We need to stop playing games and be separated from the world and consecrated unto God. Separated from the world and consecrated unto God. Well, what does that mean? Give me a list. No, no. For you, what's not a faith in your life is sin. If it grieves your heart, stop doing it. If they grieve your heart, stop being with them. Separate from the world, touch not the unclean thing. And God said, if you do that, I'll receive you unto myself. I'll be intimate with you. You shouldn't live close to boundary lines. I know some Christians, they, they don't go do all the evil that everybody else does, but they live like just like that so they can smell it and see it and hear it. And they're fools. Why'd you call them a fool? Because they're a fool. A fool sees trouble coming and does nothing about it, the Bible says. And Lot pitched his tents towards Sodom and just looked at it 
And it wasn't long after that that he moved his tents into Sodom. And it wasn't long after that that he got out of the tent and bought a house. And it wasn't long after that that he raised his children in Sodom. And Lot was such a fool that he thought he could live in Sodom and his children not be Sodomites. Where the line is, make sure you're far enough over here that no one will be confused as to which side you're on. Work it out yourself. Don't let someone else tell you how to live sanctified. You have the Spirit of God in your life. And I don't care if everybody else does it. If it convicts you, don't do it. And that Bible in your lap, your feeling should never contradict that word. Well, I don't feel like it's wrong. How readest thou? Well, I just don't feel like it's wrong. Your feeler's broke. Crazy. Some people are just crazy. Stop grieving over and longing for and pining after your old life or the things of this world. Because if you pine long enough, you'll find yourself back in it. I'm not over in the world. I've given everything up for God. And hey, y'all, I miss y'all. It's Friday. What are you doing Friday? I know what I used to do. I'm just waiting for Sunday so I can go to church. (laughs) I am not a fortune teller, but I can predict that man's future. Give you chapter and verse. I'm being funny so a little of the medicine can help it go down. Hebrews 11 said, and truly... If these people had been mindful of the country they came out of, then they would have had opportunity to go back. We all have stirrings towards our old life, but we need to cast down those vain thoughts that vaunt themselves against the knowledge of God and say, no, it wasn't just that. There was slavery that went with that. There was bondage that went with that. And I'm just thinking of the good feeling. I've been redeemed from that, and that is the world that crucified my God. And I am not friends with them, because if I was friends with the world, I would be the enemy of God. That's Scripture, people. That's Scripture. That don't mean you walk around arrogant with a two-pound King James Bible you hit everybody with. It just means that I don't belong to this world. I'm looking for a new city whose builder and maker is God. Some people, the only way you know they're Christian is you see them on Sunday. I want to be enough. I want to live in such a way that you know I belong to Kelly Wood. I want to live in such a way that you know I belong to God. And there's no confusion in the matter. Number five, going into 2013, here's the fifth essential. You'll need to be strong in the Lord. Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Take unto yourself the whole armor of God that you can stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I'm just going to read through these quickly because I'm running out of time and they're pretty self-explanatory. But this is the year to get strong. We all, many of us have started back our physical New Year's resolutions and we're working out and we can't brush our teeth the next day, but we're working out and we've lifted stuff, but no no one can give you strength. You have to be strong for yourself and strong in the Lord. You do this by being consistent in prayer. Luke 18, men ought always to pray and not faint. 
intimate in worship. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Prayer and worship ought to be key parts of your individual lives. Strong in faith, and this is the victory that overcometh the whole world, even your faith in God. Pure in character. The Bible says in Matthew 6, the light of the body is the eye. And if your eye be single, your whole body's full of light. But if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You have to be humble in heart. Because God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Grounded in the word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Connected to the body. We need one another. Full of discernment. Knowing the difference between truth and error. Courageous in battle. And terrified by nothing, the Bible says. And in nothing terrified of your adversaries. Because your confidence is a reminder to them of their coming perdition. Tireless in your labors. Because God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love and that you've ministered to his saints and do minister. You've got to be strong to face what's coming in 2013. The bad and the good. I would hate to think that you weren't able to enter into what God had for you because of weakness or weren't able to withstand what the devil has for you because of weakness. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Eat right spiritually. Exercise spiritually. Don't do the things that are a detriment to your spiritual life. So when the evil day comes, you can stand. Number six, you'll need heaven's perspective. Going into 2013, nothing will serve you better than heaven's perspective. Knowing what's important and what's not. What is eternal and what's temporal? Seeing spiritual realities more clearly than natural realities. Giving more value in your life to cause than comfort. Seeing clearly the brevity of your life. And understanding that if you suffer with him today, you'll rule with him tomorrow. You need heaven's perspective. That means no matter what happens to you, you'll view it from an eternal perspective. You'll think, well... These people hate me because of my walk with God. Well, the Bible tells me that if they hate me, great is my reward in heaven. I can get by with this. Heaven's perspective tells you to, that your life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. The devil says, your life's always going to be like this. And I'm not being funny here. You go, well, I ain't got much life left, you know, if that's your argument. This, this, this life is just a, a vapor. It appeareth and it's gone. But my next life is forever. And I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. You're going to need heaven's perspective. I'd rather have heaven's perspective than your support. I'd rather have the mind of God than anything else. The perspective of heaven lets you see what other people don't see. Let you feel what other people don't feel so you'll know what other people don't know so you can do what other people can't do. The perspective of heaven. Do you remember the story in the Old Testament? This is not in my notes, but I got to tell you this. The story of Elisha where his servant went out to get water and they were surrounded by an entire army with swords and shields and spears coming just to get Elisha. 
And the King James Version says he came back to the little tent where he was and he said, Alas, Master, how shall we do? I don't think it sounded like that. <laughs> I think he went out like, what? I think he ran back, hey, hey, I didn't sign up for this. Well, look at this. So Elisha come out, you know, this old pot belly. Lord, open this boy's eyes that he can see. He goes back to bed. Open my eyes that I can see. Crazy old man, we're about to get out of here. Would you look? And the mountains were filled. Well, you know what full means? There's no room. You got 10 of you in a maverick. There's no room. It's filled. It's filled. The mountains had no room. Shoulder to shoulder were angels that were on fire with the glory of God. What did Elisha have that he didn't have? Heaven's perspective. Did he see them? I don't think Elisha did because had he, I think it would have said. What he had was the word of God that was more real to him than his natural sight. And the Bible says, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people forever and ever. And heaven's perspective can let you walk into a situation that other people would collapse in and you go, oh, we're good. That's not fronting. That's faith. I know that God is with me and for me. And if all these people want me dead, I'm not dying until it's time because it's been appointed unto me when to die and once to die. And if it's today, ain't nothing I can do to stay alive. So I'm going back to bed. My prayer for you is that you take seriously the idea and concept that you could obtain heaven's perspective for your life. It changes everything. Number seven, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in that. You still need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that, that ended with the disciples. C could I, without, listen, y'all know I don't, I don't beat the denominational drum. Listen, I've got brothers and sisters in all different types of churches that love the Lord with their whole heart. I just I want to touch on this, just one thing, just to ponder over. The Bible tells you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled. And there, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He'll do it. Okay. Is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yes. Okay. He was the sacrifice. Is he the sacrifice? He was the great high priest. Is he still the great high priest? He still was the, he was the creator of all things. And before him, there was nothing made that was made. He's the maker. Yes. Is he still the creator? Yes. Was he, is he, the, he was the lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. Is he still the lamb of God? Yes. He was the king of kings. Is he still the king of kings? Yes. He was the Lord of lords. Is he still the Lord of yours? Yes. He was the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Is he, no, he don't do that no more. Many wonderful people have taught us doctrines of their own making, and the Bible is crystal clear. It is his desire for you to be immersed, filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I thought I received that at salvation. Well, you did receive the Holy Spirit. You received the witness, the earnest of the Holy Spirit. When you were saved, you were sealed like an envelope. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ain't nothing getting in and ain't nothing coming out. You're saved, you're saved, 
you're saved. You got me? Sealed. And the earnest of the Holy Spirit inside of you. So you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That measure of the Holy Spirit was for you. Is your salvation corporate or is it private first? It's private. It's for you. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive power after you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you become a witness unto him. Power. You receive power. That measure of the Holy Spirit is for them. The salvation, the giving of the Holy Spirit is for you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for them so that you might have an anointing, a confidence, a smearing of his presence that is able to free your friends, not because of the inward work only of what God's done for you, but the power he's given to you. You receive power to do these things. I have no illusions of grandeur. I'm an uneducated, former drunk that God saved that got called into ministry. I've never been to Bible college. I've never been to seminary. I've studied enough to have a doctorate, but I did that on my own. So I have no, nothing on my resume that would make you look to me at all. The only, the primary benefit of anything that's ever happened in my ministry was not my will, it was not my character, and it was not my giftings. It was that I believed this doctrine, and two weeks into my salvation, I asked him to fill me and baptize me and to rely upon that Holy Spirit for works and for you to be effective, more effective, more powerful. And of course, you turn all the glory to him. It's his spirit. You're going to need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many first-generation Pentecostals are there in this place? Yeah. There's a part of us, if we tell the truth, you know, if, if I'm spirit-filled, then that means that if my grandparents didn't believe that, that they were wrong. They don't mean they were bad. It just means that that one area, they might have missed it. We, we have to build our lives upon this, regardless of who it contradicts. And I don't, I don't know it all and understand it all, and my beliefs have changed I learn stuff later on. I go, ooh, I was wrong. Anybody else? I was wrong. But this promise of the Holy Spirit is to you and to your children and to your children's children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God shall call. If our musician would come, please, to the front. I remember sitting in my apartment on the floor with my Bible open two weeks after I got saved, and I said, God, Here's the deal. While I've been living like hell, my brother and his family are Christians and my mother's a Christian and my mom's Pentecostal. She believes, and I was studying the baptism of the Holy Spirit, she believes and they don't and I don't know what's right. I, how am I going to tell somebody's been towing the line what's what? But it says right here that if I thirst, I could ask. And out of my belly would flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I want this. I want this. And he baptized me with his Spirit. And Pentecostals make it about the tongues, and the non-Pentecostals make it about the tongues. May I just tell you, I pray in tongues all the time. It's not about tongues. My Spirit is able to talk to God in a language that I don't understand. But the glory of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is not some mystical gift. 
and I treasure it. The miracle is that he gave me more of him and was willing to do it. More of your presence, more of your power. I wouldn't want to go into 2013 without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You pray about it. Why wouldn't we want more of God? Finally, for 2013, keep moving forward. There are people in this room, you're tired, discouraged, defeated. There are people in this room that 2012 was not hard, it was horrible. If the truth be told and I were able to operate in the gift of a word of knowledge and walk through and touch and said, you were thinking about quitting, you were thinking about, you planned on quitting. You've, you've already packed your bags and I was able to go, through. you're doing it, you're doing it. Did you know you can make a decision today by, his, his preached word is so powerful, you can just get it and go, I'm going forward. I'm not going back. Back to what? Back to where? I've come too far to turn back. Yeah, but 2012 was all uphill. Yeah, but hills lead to something, baby. Hills lead to some breathtaking views. And there are some things at the top of this hill that you would have never seen before. You've, got, you've, you've, got, you've gotten stronger climbing this hill. 2012 has made you stronger. It's refined you. You lost some stuff. Now you got room for some new stuff. Go forward. My daughter Kylie was, I don't remember if this was part of a, she interviewed me one time asking me questions, but I think she was just asking me. She said, how long, Dad, how long have you been in ministry? I said, 86. So how long is that? 14, 27 years. I said, what, are the, what is the thing you are most proud of? And of course, you know, the kids you influence and stuff. But she goes, just you at a personal level. And immediately I said that I didn't quit. I have cast my lot with Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. If all go with me, fine. If they don't follow. And I'm not just not going back. I'm not sitting down. So strengthen the feeble knees and the hands that hang down and get ready to go in 2013 with this mindset. You do what you're going to do and if life deals me whatever card, but know this, my hands will be up and my feet will be forward. I am going on with God, on to greater, on to bigger, on to newer, on, onward. We are marching to Zion, to the city of the living God. And this path you're on, I stole my thunder a little bit a moment, lead somewhere. There's a day coming very soon where we're going to step from this world into the next one. It's scheduled. It's scheduled. No turning back. My prayer for you in 2013 is that you're ready. When the bad hits you, you go, glad I was ready. When the good hits you, you go, glad I was ready. Because if you're ready, you can handle anything. Did anybody hear the Lord's voice for them today? 
Did you today? Would you stand with me and just dialogue with God? Tell him what it was. Lord, I know there might have been several things, but I want to tell you I heard you here. It's important that you interact with God, not just listen to me preach. Tell him. Talk to him. I heard you for my life right here. Tell him what it was. I just hear in my spirit the Lord saying, and I feel like it's his voice for somebody. I told you forward. I told you forward. Forget those things that are behind and press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. John, will you give me this mic here? Church family, would you look this way as, as we get ready to leave? I want to ask someone to come and pray. One of our own is leaving this week. One of our ministers that we're sending out. For those of you visiting with us, our mission statement is simple. Win the lost, disciple the found, mend the broken, and send the whole. And we've watched a little girl grow up in this church who is a woman of faith, a woman of giftings, of works, and the Lord is called her for this next season to go all the way across country to Los Angeles to the Dream Center and to spend her life investing in others. And so, Chloe, would you come and just pray over us as a church? Would y'all bless her? I'm so proud of you. Hey, take your time, okay? Take your time and hold it close. I just come to you and I'm so grateful and I just pray that you would just give every person in this building an open heart in this new year God and that whether that's new experiences or new hardships or new relationships or leaving old ones I just pray that you would give us your perspective Lord I know that I'm making a big move and that seems like a big thing to some people but every day, every appointment, if it's set up by you, it's a big thing. And I just pray that you would give us that perspective that there's no coincidences with you. And it's all set up by you and it's all in your plan. And I just pray that you would give us just an awareness of that. God, I just thank you so much just for this family. And I just thank you just that we can come and we can gather here and that we're all on the same team. And that we don't have to take on this new year alone. That not only do you give us your Holy Spirit, God, but you give us brothers and sisters in Christ and people that hold our hands and hold up our arms when we can't. And you give us a family, God. And I just thank you so much for that. And I just pray that you would just again give us your perspective as we go out from here. In your name. Amen. Amen. See you this Wednesday, 630. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.